All right, if you want to follow along in your Bible or on the bulletin, I will be reading from Galatians 5, 16 through 23. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For, the, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now the works of the flesh are evident, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, and things like these. But the fruit of the Spirit is kindness and goodness. The next scripture is John fifteen twelve through 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. <clears throat> Ephesians four thirty-one through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Psalm 63, 3. Because your steadfast love is better than mine, my lips will praise you. And finally, Acts nine thirty six and eleven twenty three through 24. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Thanks, everyone. All right, good morning, everyone. Just want to uh, invite you to, to uh, keep your Bible open to uh, Galatians, and then um, also we'll be looking at a few other passages. Um, we are in a series on uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and how um, the Holy Spirit was given to us to help us live out the Christian life. And uh, this morning, I'm going to talk about kindness and goodness. We'll combine these two this morning. And um, this week and next week, um, the fruit of the Spirit that, that we're talking about are um, directly related to how we interact with other people and, and our relationships with each other. And so this morning, um, kindness and goodness. Now, uh, I'll say this again just briefly, but I've mentioned um, in John chapter 14, Jesus uh, promises to give us the Holy Spirit. He says that it's better that I go and then I give you someone. Um, and some translations refer to the Holy Spirit as the comforter or the advocate. And the Holy Spirit is speaking truth um, into our lives for our behalf. Um, so turn just for one second to John chapter 14. And, um, and we'll just look at this briefly. And I, I want to share with you something that uh, I read this week that's that's interesting. Um, 
John chapter 14, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word that uh, I've mentioned before is parakletos. And if we break that word up, here's, here's how we understand the word. Comforter, um, advocates, this. It's someone who's called to stand alongside another person. So the Holy Spirit is, is um, a person who comes along and stands beside us to help us live out the Christian life. And, uh, this is really interesting. This is from uh, a guy named R.C. Sproul who studies languages and, and uh, translations. And here's what he says about this term, comforter, and why people um, a long time ago, specifically the King James Version, translated this word parakletos as comforter. And here's what he says. The translators of the King James Version chose to translate parakletos with the English word comforter. Because at that time, now that we're going back hundreds of years, because at that time the English language was more closely connected to its historical roots in Latin. Today we understand the word comfort to mean ease, solace, to remove pain in the midst of trouble. But the original meaning was different. So when we think of the word comfort, we think of taking away discomfort, we think of uh, peace or solace, and um, it's, it's interesting how words change over time. All right, so here's how we, the word comfort was understood a long time ago. The original meaning was different. It's derived from the Latin word comfortis, which is consisted of a prefix com, meaning with, and the root fortis, meaning strong. So originally, the word comfort carried the meaning of with strength, with strength. Therefore, the King James Version translators were telling us that the Holy Spirit comes to people of Christ not to heal their wounds after a battle, but to strengthen them before and during the struggle. It's a very different meaning of the word comfort. And so, hundreds of years ago, when, when the translators came across this word parakletos, it wasn't the idea of, 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 of getting rid of our pain as we think of today, but giving us strength for the struggle. And so, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to help us live out the Christian life. And when we talk about what kind of things will appear, well, we've said that the idea of kindness and goodness. Now, the, the problem that I have in 25 or 30 minutes to speak this morning is that the range of these words, the lexical range of meaning of the words kindness and goodness is huge. It's a, it's a broad meaning. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to focus um, within one range of those meanings. And those, the range has to do with this. Kindness is this. And this is, a, again, I've quoted from Jerry Bridges last week, but here's how he defines these two words. Kindness is a sincere desire for the well-being of others. Goodness is the action taken for their well-being. So kindness, that means that... Um, and when we talk about friendships and how we relate to people is that we sincerely care about each other. So kindness, goodness is the, the things we do, the actions, things we do in life to meet the needs of others. So when combined, goodness and kindness is the character trait of, consistently, of a consistently honest person who is sincere in contributing to the well-being of others. Now there's nothing more humanizing than friendship. 
And if we think about the opposite of friendship, if we think of isolation or loneliness and how much um, of a problem that is in life, when you feel alone, when you feel isolated, when you feel like you're without friends, it's, it, it leads itself to one of the darkest times of life. And so when Jesus says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, here's the specifics. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to help us live out the Christian life so that we know how to be a sincere friend to each other, so that we know how to do good to one another, so that we know how to live and function in community. Um, Thanksgiving dinner, one of the things that, that was mentioned a few times is the idea of community, that we're thankful for friends, that we need that in life. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a little bit of time and think a little bit more carefully about kindness and what that actually means Number one, to the idea of friendship, and then we'll look at goodness and, um, and the things we actually do to help one another. Now, I came across um, a, a, a short clip I'll show you this morning on friendship, and I thought about not showing it because um, it's kind of hokey because it's 1935, all right? So... Showing something is a little bit risky, I understand that. And, and let me give you my, my background again. I, I think most of you know this, but I taught American history. And I had this one movie on, uh, it was an American history, it was a true story. And at the, the like, culminating scene, I, I would like, get on the verge of tears. It was just so, such a meaningful scene and a meaningful movie. And I had a few classes that their response was the same. It, like the kids, it, it just it makes you emotional. And then what happened several years later, uh, I, I showed the movie, and the class started laughing. Like they couldn't, they couldn't deal with it. It was like a little bit, because the movie was a little bit old from the 80s, right? A little bit old from the 80s, and they couldn't handle it. And the next year I showed it again, and it, at just the right moment, they just started laughing and mocking it. I'm like, okay, I'm not showing this anymore. It's done. I'm over so, 1935, but here's the, the, here's the point I'm showing this to you. There is nothing more humanizing. There's no, there's no better way that you can show your humanity than to be kind to people, than to be a friend, that we all want that. We can all think back to teenage years or maybe high school, college years, or even a job or something where you're left out. And, and how painful that is. And that's why um, the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to, to live in the most practical day-to-day -day things, that we are to be kind people, that we are to be thoughtful people. All right, so this is, are we going to work? Is it going to work, Brandon? All right, nine, 19, all right, we hope. 1935, uh, The Bride of Frankenstein. And the, the theme is friendship. Friendship. All right. I hope it works.
Who's there? Welcome, my friend, whoever you are. Uh, 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 uh. Who are you? I think you're a stranger to me. I cannot see you. I cannot see anything. You must please excuse me, but I'm blind. Come in, my poor friend. No one will hurt you here. Oh. If you're in trouble, perhaps I can help you. But you need not tell me about it if you don't want to. What's the matter? <laughs> you're hurt, my poor friend. Come. Tell me, who are you? I don't understand. Can you not speak? It's strange. Perhaps, perhaps you're afflicted too. I cannot see and you cannot speak. Is that it? If you understand what I'm saying, put your hand on my shoulder. That is good. No, you stay here. I'll get you some food. friends. I have prayed many times for God to send me a friend. <sighs> it's very lonely here, and it's been a long time since any human being came into this hut. I shall look after you, and you will comfort me. Now you must lie down and go to sleep. Yes, yes. Now you must sleep.
Our Father, I thank thee, that in thy great mercy thou hast taken pity on my great loneliness, and now out of the silence of the night hast brought two of thy lonely children together and sent me a friend to be a light to mine eyes and a comfort in time of trouble. Amen. There's, a, there's something uh, powerful about that scene, and at the same time, it's almost so powerful uh, where, to, to process and deal with that. And, and what I want to share with you this morning is that Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit to come alongside us, to help us live, and to function as human beings. And, and that means that we live with kindness. And... Um, we don't have to think too long or too hard about how brutal or mean the world is. And when you, um, when you have a family and you have kids and you, and you have to teach them about um, the pain of the world, the brokenness of the world, the ugliness of the world, it, it's, it's hard and it's heartbreaking. And so um, when, when we learn about kindness and we learn about community, we're talking about, we're reflecting the kindness of God towards one another. Okay, so let me just show you some specifically some, some principles or some truth here from God's Word. So um, turn to John chapter 15, and we'll try to go a little bit deeper, a little bit more meaningful in what this word kindness means, that we have a sincere desire for the well-being of others. All right, so John chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 12, and this is Jesus speaking. This is near the... the uh, um, the final moments and, and hours before he'll, he'll be on the cross. John chapter 15, verse 12 says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. I was reading this week, um, and I came across a sermon by Tim Keller, and he, he drew, draws out two principles, and they're just so meaningful. So let me just give, give them to you. Number one is this, that kindness, the kindness we're talking about here, the kindness to be a human being to another, it involves two things. Number one is this, sacrificial loyalty. Sacrificial loyalty. To be a human being, to be a kind friend, to have the Holy Spirit fill your life and to be a, a genuine, authentic friend to someone else means that you have sacrificial loyalty. Verse 13 says this, this is my command that I give to you, that you love one another, that that's how we're to live our life. It's not just a one-time act of friendship, that the the sustaining aspect of our lives that we are to love one another. And he goes on and elaborates even more. Greater love has no one than this that you lay down your life for your friend. That is the picture of sacrificial loyalty. And we have to think about this for a second in the context of the world that we live in. 
where there are um, massive amounts of acquaintances, massive amounts of friends and social media type things, but do you have this kind of friendship with people? Is this the mark? When people think of you and they think of um, characteristics of your life, is kindness something that comes up? Is, is the idea that you are sacrificially loyal to your friends? Do you have those kinds of people in your life? Next, number two, trying to think about how we can explain kindness and, and press deeper into our life is the idea of vulnerable transparency. Vulnerable transparency. And this is, this is where Jesus is saying, um, I'm going to move away from this relationship where it's an uh, employer-employee type relationship or a parent-child type relationship. I'm going to call you friends. Um, one of the things that's interesting um, when you have a, a child or if you're an employee-employer relationship, when the employer says to the employee, I need you to do this, um, most of the time, the employer does not want a half-hour discussion on why it needs to be done. They just want you to do it. Um, when you're a parent and you tell your child to do something, there's a time and a place to explain why, but sometimes it's just you just need to do it. And Jesus is saying something really different here. He's saying that that relationship is gone. He's saying that now I'm calling you friends that there is a vulnerability that, that happens. There is a transparency that happens uh, in our lives. Friends share things. Friends um, share struggles with each other. Friends share the success. Transparency means that you are able to give and receive criticism well. Here, this is, and, and the last word is the key. Um, we live in a time where people are so free to speak their opinion, to criticize, to offer their viewpoints. And when you understand what Jesus is saying, and you understand what it means to be a sincere friend, when you understand what it means to be kind, part of this depth of friendship means that you can understand what it means to give and receive criticism well. Proverbs chapter 29 warns against flattery, that real friends, that kind friends, can speak the truth. Proverbs 27.6 says this, a, a familiar proverb, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Do you have friends in your life that can speak truth to you, even if it means it hurts a little bit? Or do you surround yourself with friends who all they do is speak flattery to you? Um, I came across an article this week, and um, it, was, um, it was from Forbes magazine, and it was talking about um, the challenge of this today, all right, as far as having friends that go beyond the surface, that have meaningful depth. And here's what he says, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Sound familiar? Intentionally helping others with an expectation for favors in return is now the norm. So, what I'm saying to you is out of the norm. That to be kind, that to be a friend has different expectations than the norm. Here's what he says. People only want to extend a hand if they can leverage it into a new opportunity or leverage it even charity or to leverage it. I'll say that one more time. People want to be kind. People want to be friendly as long as they can leverage it in the future for a new opportunity. 
That's completely different than what Jesus Christ is talking about. Kindness, a sincere desire for the well-being of other people. Let's think about goodness for a second. Now, goodness is the idea of being active. All right? So turn your, in your Bible to uh, Acts. And this, we'll look at a man and a woman. There's, there's, there are endless stories in, in places we can go in the Bible as far as helping us understand goodness and kindness. I picked a man and a woman from the book of Acts. And we'll start in Acts chapter um, 11. Acts chapter 11. And we'll look at two people who are living out what we're talking about here. This idea of um, kindness and goodness, and goodness being that you're doing things to help people. All right, so this is Acts chapter 11, and here's the context. Stephen uh, had just been martyred, and disciples, the followers of Christ, had been scattered. People are like, hey, this is a bad time. People are going to be put in jail. People are going to maybe even be stoned to death for following Christ. So people scatter and kind of run for their lives. Disciples had been scattered all over the Mediterranean coastline uh, after Stephen's death. And some went as far as 400 miles to a city called Antioch to preach to the Gentiles. Um, a great number of believers believe there. And then verse um, 22, chapter 11, verse 22, um, begins this way. It says, the report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And here's the description of Barnabas. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. So there are two descriptions about this guy Barnabas. Number one, he was a good man. That was his reputation. And then number two, he was full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. That is, that is the description, that is the assertion of this guy named Barnabas. So, we think about this. So, what is the root? What, what, is, it, what is the root cause within people who are able to do good? Well, according to Luke, the author of Acts, it's this, is that their lives are full of the Holy Spirit. And number two, they live with faith. So faith and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes alongside, speaks truth into our life about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And what, what does that do? That gets your eyes off of yourself. That gets your eyes off of self-centeredness. That gets your eyes on other people. That's what goodness is. It means that you're able to meet the needs of others. That means you're able to identify and see people in need. It means we just don't walk around um, with blinders on, oblivious to the needs of other people. It means that we initiate and help people. It means we don't wait for people who are hurting, who are broken, who need help, for them to come and plead with us for help. So this is Barnabas. This is what this guy was known for, that he was known for living this out. And then we have a woman... Uh, Interesting woman, her name is Tabitha. We'll go with Tabitha. Turn back a couple of pages to Acts chapter 9. So we're talking about kindness and goodness, people who have a sincere desire for other people, and then people who want to actually help other people. Acts chapter 9, verse uh, 36 says this. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, 
which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Now, here's what we know of this woman named Tabitha. We know that she was somewhat affluent, that she most likely worked with textiles, and that she had been uh, successful and had a place of prominence in the church here. But she was known for good works, that she was known for doing things. So, here's what we know about Tabitha. She was a sincere, committed follower of Jesus Christ. Next, we know that she was a woman of good works, and she was generous in her acts of compassion. Kindness and goodness. A life filled with faith, full of the Holy Spirit, means that we're able to be helpful to other people. So that's, that's kind of the ideal, just very briefly the idea. Now let's, let's look into uh, the book of Ephesians, and, and, and only Ephesians this morning, because just about um, all of Paul's letters that he writes, he talks about this. All right, so that's, that's the book of um, Acts, talking about these people who lived out this Christian life, and they're like, hey, here's this guy Barnabas, look at him. Here's this woman, Tabitha, look at her. Okay, now let's just make this connect to real life. All right, so turn to Ephesians. And we could turn to just about any of these letters that Paul writes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. All right? So the Apostle Paul is writing letters to churches to encourage them. And this is almost identical to Galatians. And here's what he says. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with malice. So here's the reality. He's, he's writing a letter to the churches. And the people in the, these communities, they're attacking each other. They're devouring each other with their words. Wrath, anger, slander. We know, we know by just being a human being, the danger of slander. So what is the problem? Why? Why does he have to write these kinds of letters? Galatians says very, things very similar. Why does he say these kinds of things? Well, because we struggle with our emptiness inside and we look for these things to fill and satisfy our life. And the Holy Spirit is saying, Jesus Christ is enough to live your life. And when you have that emptiness inside and you see other people or you see things they have and you want um, that deep inner security, Paul says in Galatians that he refers to that by living by the flesh. These are the things that are going to happen in your life. You're going to attack people. You're going to slander people. And divisions come about. That's why he's, he's going to say in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, just look a few, page, a few verses over. He says this, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He commands them using not a, com uh, a comparison, but a contrast. He's saying, okay, don't abuse alcohol, because when you get drunk, you stop thinking. You do really dumb things. And then he, he's contrasting that with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill your life with the Holy Spirit, and you'll actually think more clearly. The Holy Spirit will remind you of who you are in Christ. Okay, then go back to verse 32. Here's what happens. The command, be kind to one another. 
he uses another word, even more descriptive. Be tender-hearted. Now, I don't know if you could see it in, in, in the video, but when you see it on a smaller screen, the monster actually sheds a tear. You see a tear running down his face because he understands the word. And here's what the blind man says, if you caught this. He said, we both have, uh, I forget the word he used, but we both have a problem. We both have a flaw. And I've met a friend who both of us have these flaws, but I've met a friend. It's a powerful scene. We have to understand that this is our, our battle. This is our struggle. This is our understanding. When you think about the word comforter, stop thinking of therapeutic 21st century where we have to be happy and feel good all the time. The word comforter is strength. If you understand it in its, in, in, in its original understanding, the Holy Spirit gives you strength to not become one who lives by the flesh, who then slanders people, who envies other people. When your life is filled by the Spirit, you will be kind. You will become a human being. A tender-hearted human being. Forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. It is profoundly significant for us to think about this most basic question. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? When all of us have this longing for friendship, and if we have this longing for friendship, if we have this longing for friends who are sacrificially loyal, if we have this longing for friends who are transparent and open, why do we struggle with slander? Why do we struggle with anger and wrath? Why do we struggle with bitterness? Why do we struggle with these words? Uh, in Galatians, Paul uses the same thing. And Paul says it. We'll finish up with this this morning. Go back to Galatians. We've read this almost every week. The struggle is this, verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That means you won't slander people even when you're feeling empty inside, even when you're feeling hurting inside, when you're feeling alone and you feel like that's going to bring the solution. He says this, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He says, verse 24, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, we'll just finish this up. The Holy Spirit is speaking truth into our lives. That we need to crucify the flesh. That we need to allow Christ to live in us. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit, to speak truth into us, to give us strength to not live according to our own selfish desires, but to live by the power, by the fullness of the Spirit, so that we can follow Christ in every area of our lives. Let's pray together. Father, it is so easy as a church community to look at the bad, to look at the mistakes, to look at the flaws, to find mistakes in other people's lives. Father, I pray for a, uh, an outpouring, a fullness of your Spirit so that we can forgive one another, we can love one another, we can be kind to each other, 
We can be tender-hearted. We can be understanding. We can be empathetic. That we can understand that everyone here this morning has challenges, has struggles. There are, there are people here this morning that are feeling isolated and alone. Father, I pray that we would be a church, a, a supernatural, Holy Spirit-filled church where we can look to meet the needs of others, that we can be kind people, we can be sincere, that we cannot be people who mock the pain of others, that we would come alongside and carry burdens to live the way you want. Father, we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to help us in this. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.